we are back welcome back to the crossover across time podcast for our first episode uh following the conclusion of the regular season uh firstly pardon me if i'm a little bit rusty getting back into this it's been a little while um i of course am your host carson if you're new to the show um welcome if you're already a, a listener still welcome you know we we're glad to have you all listening to the show um Firstly, yeah, uh, apologies real quick. We did miss um, the planned bonus episode um, with our franchise focus segment. We planned to do a bonus episode on Saturday. Um, Simply put, wasn't going to, I was not going to be able to do that, um, even though I did have, I didn't really have any time constraints, but um, my my voice would not have lasted. (laughs) Um, A little bit sick uh, over the last couple of days. I'm about 85 to 90% recovered. I'm feeling pretty good at this point. Um, but on Saturday, that was maybe one of my worst days as far as overall uh, vocal strength and, and throat health, if we're going to phrase it that way. So um, I do apologize for that. But we have posted on our Instagram page, and I'll plug that very early here, of course, crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. I did post... Um, we did post just the other day, I believe, or no, it was earlier today, um, our updated schedule for the postseason as well as the off season once the, the playoffs and the finals conclude. Um, so we have um, the dates for those last four franchise focus episodes that we will do. Those will all be bonus episodes as well as the schedule as uh, when it comes to the postseason. Uh, when it comes to the regular season, we had a pretty regimented uh, structure, uh, even with the podcast titles, as far as uh, each week was kind of separated. And we did one night, uh, we, we did one episode for every night of the weekday. Um, generally, throughout much of the playoffs, we're going to be doing about three shows a week. Um, so we're going to cut back a little bit, but we're going to still have a good amount of coverage in those episodes since it'll be um, spread out among the series. You know, we'll have kind of the same amount of games to talk about uh, through a lot of that. So um, I think our schedule is good. Again, if you want to see a full breakdown of that schedule, um, definitely check out our Instagram page when it comes to this week. Um, of course, this first episode for this week is our season wrap up. We got to tie up some loose ends um, from the regular season uh, before we really get in uh, in depth to get our feet wet with the actual um, postseason related stuff. But we will touch on some of that um, a little bit later in the show. Um, and then on tomorrow's show, we'll recap um, the seventh seed games. Those, of course, the first games in the um, play-in tournament, the games between the teams that finished seventh and eighth uh, in their respective conferences. Um, those, actually, at the time we're recording this, I'll be 100% transparent with you. I am recording this pretty late Tuesday night, and so those games actually have wrapped up. I'm already aware of the talking points we'll have for tomorrow's show, but um, regardless, that'll be what we're talking about. We'll also do a little bit of our season wrap up tomorrow as well we're going to talk about our weekly predictions figure that made sense with our wednesday show we'll we'll talk a little about a little bit about how those predictions ended up how accurate we were how far off we were um it should be a fun one on thursday we will recap the the second game of the the second games plural of the play-in tournament as far as the 
um, the ninth and 10th seeds playing to see who has a chance to potentially win uh, another game and get that eighth seed in the playoffs. So we'll talk about those games on Thursday. Then Friday, there is a day break. So Friday, we won't be recapping any games, but we'll be getting you set for previews for the first round. Um, it'll be slightly tricky with that first and eighth matchup because we won't technically know who the eighth seed teams will be on Friday's show. But regardless, we're going to do our best to preview what we can. We can give you previews uh, for the most part for those series. Um, and then after that, next week is when we really get into the three shows a week, um, pretty much Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that's what to expect going forward and specifically this week. So I think we've got a good schedule. Um, again, if you want the full breakdown, that's on the Instagram page. Um, our franchise focus episodes, we're going to do the Timberwolves uh, tomorrow as a bonus episode. And then we'll have the Trailblazers and the Warriors uh, on Thursday. We'll have two bonus episodes. And then we'll wrap it all up with the Wizards on the 14th on Friday as our final bonus episode. So that's how that all breaks down. Um, so that's the, the, you know, I guess, housekeeping of that as far as that goes. But let's go ahead and jump into um, our final, you know, regular season game summaries. Let's get into that. And uh, we'll do it in our five on five drill style. If you're not familiar, basically, when we have um, a weekend of games to recap, uh, we normally would have done this on Monday, um, but, you know, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we have three days of games. We'd like to focus on five games in particular that were the most significant, most noteworthy. Um, so we recap those games in detail. So that's our five on five drill. And then our six men segment, that's our name for those little bonus facts that we want to still recognize some uh, individual performances or some facts from those games. Um outside of just the game as a whole. So hopefully that makes sense. Let's jump into it. The first game we'll talk about uh, comes from Friday. Um, that's the only game from Friday we'll talk about. Uh, we only had three games on Saturday. The The other four that we will talk to, uh, talk about in detail are all from Sunday. Um, that's when most of the really high stakes games were played because that's when those you know spots were finally to be determined. All of these are Western Conference matchups. Um, Matchups that were key to playoff and play in the seating. So um, firstly, on Friday, we're going to talk uh, the Chicago Bulls winning in Dallas against the Mavericks. Uh, close game, 115 to 112, uh, despite the Mavericks playing a bit shorthanded. We mentioned that they sat on a number of key players um, due to injury. Um, and it was a fairly hard fought game. Yeah, the Mavericks did their best to win this game. This was a game where. Going into the the going into this one, the Mavericks still had a chance to make the play-in tournament if things were able to break their way. They strung together a couple wins, um, but they weren't at, weren't able to beat the Bulls. And again, some of that had to do with the fact they didn't have um, a full deck uh, per se. But um, hard fought, you know, the Mavericks led by as many as fifteen points a couple times, um, but the Bulls did not go away, and they were able to win at the end. Um, Looking at the box scores for the Mavericks, uh, they had six players in double figures, but no one with more than 13 points. Uh, three players with 13 points. That was Luka Doncic, Markeef Morris, and McKinley Wright the fourth. Uh, those were their 13-point scores, their leading scores, the trio. For the Bulls, though, they had three players with 20 or more points, those being Kobe White, Nikola Vucevic, and Patrick Williams. Um, so solid games for them, even though they did, themselves did not play DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine 
Um, <clears throat> they just had a little bit more to work with, uh, stronger performances, and um, they were able to get that win. We'll have some news stories to talk about in just a moment. Um, regardless of that story, um, I, I say that because we have one that talks in particular about this game and, and the Mavericks, the way they closed out their season. Um, you know, completely unrelated to the actual findings of whatever that news story has for us. Um, I did find it odd that they would rest players in such a key game. You know, even if you are kind of realizing that this season is not going to end as strong as you'd like um, to kind of, you know, wave the white flag like that did feel odd um, to me that that's all I'll say for now. Again, we'll talk a little bit more in detail um, in just a moment, but yeah, nice win for Chicago. They, of course, we're kind of already locked into their playing position, but a tough loss for Dallas nonetheless. And especially for that fan base, you know, that's such hope after the trade deadline, they get the Kyrie Irving trade. He's part of the team now. And now suddenly they not even in the, the postseason. It's just kind of shocking. So uh, that's the first game. And again, that was from Friday. These next three, these next four games, excuse me, the next four games all come from Sunday's action and they're all Western conference matchups. That's how it was structured Sunday. All 30 teams played um, and 29, <clears throat> excuse me, 14 of those 15 games were interconference matchups, you know, East versus East or West versus West. Um, with the way it works out, 15 in each conference, there was one, there's one game that was um, uh, West versus East. That was Rockets, Wizards. Um, not a huge deal there. Otherwise, it was all interconference stuff. Um, and we start with the <clears throat> we start with the cough. Excuse me. We start with the Minnesota Timberwolves winning a wild. It, it's almost beyond words. This whole storyline with this game, um, <clears throat> a wild game at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, a very key game in their play-in positioning. And I'll just say before having to go too much into detail. All of the games that we're summarizing these last four games, pretty much all the teams had important playoff positioning to play for. I'll make note when it's different, but that's the important thing. So Minnesota gets gets a big advantage over the Pelicans, 113 to 108, and a game that early in the game it was easy to write them off and say they weren't going to win, especially when the Pelicans got off to a big lead and the Timberwolves had some internal issues. Um, <clears throat> you probably already heard about it by now, even if, you're only a casual follower of the NBA, but basically two of the Timberwolves key players got into, um, you know, situations where they were kind of harming the team's chances um, more than anything. Uh, firstly, Rudy Gobert, um, verbal altercation with Kyle Anderson in the, you know, the timeout huddle and it leads to Gobert throwing a punch, a jab at um, Kyle Anderson they're separated. There's reports that that did carry over into the halftime locker room as well. Um, <clears throat> whether or not that happened, the Timberwolves did at one point send Gobert home. He was not in the arena for the remainder of the game. Um, you know, we have a new story to update you on that in just a moment. But that was the first thing. And then secondly, uh, Jaden McDaniels, who's emerged as their starting power uh, small forward this season and a very stout defensive wing. He, in frustration, uh, you know, punched at a wall, ended up injuring his hand, wasn't able to finish out the game. Um, so a couple of very key players, two starters, 
um, kind of taking themselves out of the game in a very key game to end the season, you know, looked like an easy way to write the Timberwolves off and say the Pelicans could win this game. But then, excuse me, in the second half, <clears throat> the Timberwolves um, found new life somewhere. Um, you know, the other guys stepped up, Towns, Conley, Edwards, any and all, you know, additional guys. We'll get into that. But um, they were able to rally and get a win. So credit to them. You know, that home court atmosphere, I'm sure, helps. They've got a good home uh, home crowd there, great fan base. Um, so, yeah, great win for Minnesota against the uh, some adversity, I guess we can say. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. For the Pelicans, they were led by Brandon Ingram, who had a huge game, 42 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. He has really been doing everything he can to ensure the Pelicans are able to finish strong and do what they can in the playoff-type uh, picture. Uh, they also got 23 points from C.J. McCollum, 20 points from Trey Murphy the third. And their center, Jonas Valanciunas, 11 points and 18 rebounds. Um, so decent all-around performance. But again, the Timberwolves able to rally and get some key performances. Carl Anthony Towns, 30 points, 8 rebounds in this one. Anthony Edwards with 26 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, and 4 blocks. And I did actually catch the last few minutes of this game, and he was everywhere. He was going all out. He was a key factor in their victory, despite the not as ideal percentages shooting wise it truly an impact performance uh credit to him great game for him mike conley 17.7 assists and torian prince with 18 points off the bench so great you know team performance for the the timberwolves with those early losses um due to you know some tough circumstances so great win for them let's jump to that next game uh the Los Angeles Lakers winning at home against the Utah Jazz. The Jazz, of course, had already been eliminated from the postseason, but the Lakers wanted to win this game to try and solidify and strengthen their playoff positioning. At this point, of course, they had already solidified they would be in the postseason in some form or another. They were just trying to see if they could make a run at uh, playoff you know, lock rather than the play-in tournament. And they did their part. They won this game again, 128 to 117 against the Jazz. Um they just didn't get enough breaks as far as other results on the day to be able to slide into that spot, but still great finish for the Lakers on this part. Um, it wasn't, you know, a, an easy game for the Lakers, despite the jazz, not really having anything to play for. Um, they kept it close throughout. Um, they cut the lead within, you know, one or two points by the end of the third quarter. Um, so it was a very competitive game throughout, but the Lakers um, were really solid. Um, they, they played a great game. And so, you know, props to them. Great win for them in this scenario. For the Jazz, they were led by Chris Dunn, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, a near triple-double um, for the resurrected career, you could say, of Chris Dunn. 23 points for Kelly Olenek and 20 points off the bench for Simone Fontecchio. Uh, nice to see there the old rookie Fontecchio, the Italian, getting that done. For the Lakers, though, they had a bevy of uh, double-figure scorers being led by LeBron James, 36 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal on a block, good percentages, doing his kind of thing. Anthony Davis, only 16 points, but 13 rebounds, three assists, three steals, and four blocks. Very stout defensively. Um, even without great scoring, he's still able to contribute. D'Angelo Russell added 17 points, had a couple key three-pointers, um, and they had a great game, great team game, and again, a big win for them in that circumstance. 
Next, the Phoenix Suns, uh, actually, sorry, the Los Angeles Clippers win on the road in Phoenix against the Suns, 119-114. This is a nice matchup, and even though these teams were fairly kind of locked into their spots, of course, the Suns, I think, had already clinched that fourth seed. Um, Had the Clippers lost this, they might have slipped to six, and the Warriors could have taken that fifth spot, but... By the Clippers winning this, they clinched that fifth seed and confirmed their first round playoff matchup against who else but the Phoenix Suns. So kind of an interesting way that worked out. The Clippers win and they guarantee that the team they just beat is now the team they'll face in the playoff series. So kind of a unique situation there in some ways. But yeah, 119 to 114. Nice win for the Clippers here. And they were trailing early to the Suns. Uh, Clippers took a lead in the third quarter. Lost it for a bit, retook the lead in the fourth, and were able to win the game. They were down by 11 points at one point, so it was a great win overall. Uh, For the Suns, they did not play a lot of their key players, and that's a theme we'll talk about with our six-man segment. Their leading scorer was uh, was Saban Lee, who had 25 points, and he also had 10 assists, so a great game for him. Um, They had four other players in double figures, uh, Joshua Kogi, Jock Landale, Landry Shamit, and Terrence Ross. Uh, sorry, five other players. Uh, Darius Baisley had 16 points as well. He was their second leading score. Meanwhile, for the Clippers, um, Norman Powell led them in scoring off the bench 29 points. They got 25 each from Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook. Leonard also had 15 rebounds and six assists. Westbrook with nine assists and seven rebounds. Um, and then Bones Highland and Ibiza Zubats also had double figures in the scoring. So great win for the Clippers. Again, locks him into that playoffs. Uh, uh, series, excuse me, with the Phoenix Suns. And finally, the last game, this one was probably the most uh, noteworthy as far as, you know, game itself and achievements. Um, The Warriors, you know, if you're talking about teams recognizing the importance of a certain game, closing out the season strong, um, playoff positioning, all those types of things, there's no real better example of seizing that opportunity and making sure you get the result you want than what the Warriors did in this game. Um, And I didn't see this game in particular, but this is absolutely ridiculous. They led by 59 points at one point, winning by just slightly less than that, 56 points. They had 55 points at the end of the first quarter, which is an NBA record. They set a new NBA record in this game, final game of the season. Absolutely ridiculous. You look at this, you know, the flow of the game, the lead tracker, a little segment, a uh, little section on the NBA's website. I, it's just uh, unreal. You know, they were, it looks like they were just trying to rack up as many points as possible, see if they could set, you know, largest margin of victory. It was ridiculous. For the Trailblazers, of course, should be factored that they are one of the biggest, uh, most affected teams w- on the injury front. All their key players are out, whether that's, They've been injured during the season. They've been deactivated because they've been eliminated from the playoff picture. Any and all of the above. So <clears throat> their starting lineup in this game, Skylar Mays, Shaden Sharp, Trendon Watford, Kevin Knox, a second, and Jonathan Williams. And it's nothing against any of those guys, but usually those would be your, you know, eighth through 13th men type players off the bench. Generally, you know, so they're thrust into this situation. They're doing what they can. Skylar Mays had a nice little game, 21 points, 12 assists. 
uh, 18 points for Shaden Sharp, 17 for Jonathan Williams. But um, going against the Warriors, they're motivated and in maybe their lone road game where they were able to really dominate, um, you know, it was hard to overcome that. Your leading scorer, Stephen Curry, 26 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Uh, he had five three pointers on the night. Clay Thompson, 20 points uh, and six three-pointers on the night. Uh, Moses Moody actually was the second leading scorer. He had 25 points off the bench and hit four threes. Jordan Poole, 21 points off the bench, four threes. Um, So just raining three-pointers, you know. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, a really nice game. 15 points, seven rebounds, six assists, two blocks and a steal, um, along with one three-pointer as well. Uh, two threes for DiVincenzo in the starting lineup, 10 points, eight assists, six rebounds, and five steals. Draymond Green with two steals and two blocks as well. So, yeah, just a dominant all-around performance for the Warriors. Fantastic stats. Again, record-breaking stats. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, they really uh, took care of business if we want to oversimplify it. But, yeah, shout-out to them. Um, so that's our five-on-five five drill. Let's real quick run through our six men. Again, these are st- statistical notes from the games that we didn't have a chance to talk about. Some notes from Friday. Uh, Alperen Shangoon of the Houston Rockets collected 21 rebounds in a win in Charlotte against the Hornets. And similarly, Anthony Davis grabbed 21 rebounds in their win at home versus the Phoenix Suns. So a couple big rebounding nights. Also on Friday, Trey Young had 27 points and 20 assists in a loss versus the Philadelphia 76ers in Atlanta. Uh, huge 20 and 20 game. Very impressive there. And then some notes from Sunday. Uh, firstly, Peyton Pritchard had a 30 point triple double in the Celtics win at home versus the Atlanta Hawks. Cameron Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets logged 46 points in their loss at home versus the 76ers. Um, and those two kind of start this trend we'll have with these next few items as far as the last couple of games, depending on injuries and or team situation, there's a lot of opportunity for players who don't get a lot of minutes to start games, to to you know play kind of loose and free and do what they want as far as um, shot attempts, you know, th- things of that nature. Um, and so... That's kind of, you know, Peyton Pritchard, especially he's been kind of trapped as a ninth, 10th man this season, even though he's a strong player, you know, a bench, nice bench piece. Um, So he has a nice game in their win. Cam Thomas, he's a little different, but still 46 points. That's huge. Um, This one, of course, this was a little different, but Udonis Haslam, longtime member of the Miami Heat. This is his final NBA season. And thus Sunday was his final regular season game. Um He didn't quite start, but he played the most minutes he's played in probably four or five seasons. Um, And he logged 24 points in his final regular season game, uh, which was a home victory versus the Orlando Magic. Um, Bam Adebayo awarded him a rocking chair. um, And it was pretty cool to see, you know, and it's always nice when, of course, you have a guy who's played for a franchise a long time and who's been a multiple time all-star. You're going to recognize him, but it's always cool to also recognize a guy like Haslam, who at his best was a very solid role player, and at his worst, um, worst being you know comparatively more just you know least um, amazing, least productive in terms of just on court play and talent level. Um, you know the 
those points where, you know, he hasn't really been a productive part on the floor. He's more just been this veteran leader, locker room presence, doesn't really play, but is part of that, what you know, that heat culture they like to talk about. And so, you know, a guy who's played there, this was his 20th season. Um, always great to see them recognize that. And apparently the Heat are actually going to retire Haslam's number 40 um, within probably the next season or two. So that's very cool to see as well. Cool to see him get some points in that final game. That's nice to see. Um, so cool there. Um, on Sunday, um, Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks grabbed 20 rebounds in their loss at home versus the Pacers. Um, Theo Pinson of the Dallas Mavericks gra- managed to rack up a triple double in their home loss versus the San Antonio Spurs. And then finally, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. in his first career start, 42 points, 14 rebounds in their loss in Oklahoma City against Thunder. Um, so, you know, make of these games what you will. Um, and it can be easy to write these games off, maybe a little more justified than not. Um, but I wouldn't take that away from these players. You know, they're still playing against some of the top talent in the world. And so it's cool to see these nights, um, see these guys being able to do these things. And it's kind of a reminder, you know, sometimes you see, um, you know, players like a Theo Pinson or a, uh, a Kenneth Lofton or whoever, um, not getting very very minutes many minutes at all. You you're comparing them to the NBA's stars and and big minutes players, and you kind of, you know, sometimes it can be easy to be very cynical. And some players you say, oh, they're they're trash or they're whatever, right? You you know, it can be very negative, down talking them. But even the the worst player on you you know in any given NBA season. You know, you take all 30 teams and you figure out who's the worst player on any any and all teams. That player is still, you know, all-star caliber at a G League level, probably close to all-star caliber in international leagues. Um, you, as a casual basketball fan playing them one-on-one, uh, you're going to get destroyed. So it's a healthy reminder of, hey, these guys are professionals for a reason. They're on the NBA team for a reason. So it's nice to see, you know, and especially Lofton Jr. He's a unique uh, prospect. He's a rookie this season. So cool to see, you know, get an opportunity like that. He's unique, you know, size and skill set, but interesting. Um, finally, I'm just going to run through a list um, on the same theme of players getting bigger opportunities for minutes and having bigger, you know, statistical outcomes. This is a list of players, lesser known names, guys who don't get a lot of minutes, younger guys, et cetera, who had, you know, 20, 20 to 25 points in one of the games Friday through Saturday, because there's a long list and maybe they haven't had even more points. Regardless, they had really impressive games. Here they are. Uh, Zvi Mikheliuk or Sviatoslav Mikheliuk, uh, George Niang, Lindell Wigginton, Ochai Agbaji, uh, Luka Shamanich. That is something I did learn listening to the jazz broadcast. It's not semantic, it's Shamanich. So now I know that. Uh, Julian Champagny, Kevin Knox, the second, Trendon Watford, Mike Muscala, Mac McClung, Lewis King, Bryce McGowans, Caleb Houston. Uh, Kevon Harris, Sandrew Mamukalashvili, Dominique Barlow, 
Trey Mann, Olivier Saar, and Jared Butler. Those are a very quick list of a lot of guys who had some nice uh, scoring nights. So shout out to them for being able to do that. And that takes care of our six men segment. So that's the last of our just normal game summaries. Again, we'll do summaries of playoff games and um, that'll still be a factor, but it'll be a little bit different, you know, have maybe some more direct talking points with those. Um, Let's now get into the key news. We've alluded to some of these items, but now we'll talk about the news uh, more in detail. So firstly, we'll start with that Minnesota situation. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, Gobert has been suspended by the team for their playing game, which is tonight versus the Los Angeles Lakers in Los Angeles. And Jane McDaniels, who had that hand injury, uh, he has fractured something. He's out indefinitely. So that's just, you know, continuing on that theme. Those are two key losses. And that impact on that game against the Lakers is worth noting. I'm not going to be very specific because, again, I already kind of know the outcome of that game. There's a lot of talking points there. But, um, yeah, very key things to keep in mind with that game. Um, next, for the Clippers, uh, it's reported Paul George, who has that leg injury he's been dealing with for the last few weeks. Uh, he's for sure going to miss the beginning of their first round series versus the Phoenix Suns. I imagine that means first game or two um, return date, really not official at any point so far, but of course we'll keep you updated on that. Um, big blow to Memphis's playoff hopes. Uh, Steven Adams, who's missed much of the season with a, a knee situation, knee injury, He's likely out for the playoffs, so they will be without their starting center. They're already without their one of their key backup front court players in Brandon Clark, so that's going to be a tough situation for Memphis to work around. Um, that was a key part of Lofton getting uh, a chance at a little more secure roster spot. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about that with our transactions, but um, yeah, something to keep in mind with Memphis. Um, <clears throat> we talked briefly about that Dallas situation, um, resting players, with injuries during that key game. There's a report um, shortly after that game happened that the NBA is going to launch a a probe to investigate that team situation following that decision Um, that, you know, resting those players in that game that eliminated them from playoff contention. Um, Not sure what that, you know, outcome would be if the NBA decided for whatever reason there was some sort of wrong action on the part of the Mavericks, um, kind of a unique situation. Um, but again, I guess something we'll just keep you updated on as we hear about it. A um, couple of coaching news uh, items already, and these were actually the day of um, the last day of the regular season coming out just after both these teams wrapped up their last game of the season. Firstly, for the Houston Rockets, they have declined to pick up uh, Coach Steven Silas's team option for the upcoming season. So he uh, has coached his last game, it seems, for the Houston Rockets. They are now going to be looking for a new head coaching candidate. And similarly, similarly, but a little bit different, the Detroit Pistons have reassigned Coach Dwayne Casey to now a front office role. Um, no specifics on what that role will be. Likely, you know, within the GM operations, uh, advisory type role, something along those lines would be my best guess. But again, nothing really confirmed. Um, So both those teams looking at a number of candidates, 
Um, it looks like uh, for the Rockets, Frank Vogel was a name. Um, oh, Chris Quinn was a name mentioned for the Pistons. I read through a lot of them, and I'm forgetting maybe the most notable names. Um, Ime Udoka for both teams was mentioned, of course. Um, last regular seasons, uh, you know, one of the big coaching names as far as a new head coach, of course, led the Celtics to the finals and then suddenly had an abrupt uh, end to his tenure with the Celtics under some odd circumstances. So he's a name. There's some different names for both teams. That'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Um, next, uh, some news about a former NBA player, uh, former all-star DeMarcus Cousins has signed with the Guaynabo Mets of the Puerto Rican Professional Basketball League. Firstly, hopefully I pronounced that right. Secondly, um, interesting, you know, I hopefully has uh, a productive season there. Um, plays well for that team. I don't know much about that league or that team at all. Um, but I suppose it's another step as far as him trying to make his way back onto a more regular role in, on an NBA roster. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, next, we have our first bit of uniform news for the 2024 NBA season. Uh, oddly enough, this is something that I've been kind of seeking out. I'm always excited to see what new uniform updates teams might make um, with every season. Um, but this one really kind of let me down. The Brooklyn Nets officially revealed their city edition uniform for this 2024 NBA season. And um, I remember reading through very briefly some of the descriptions of the design. I'm sure there's logic behind it and ties to Brooklyn and the area. The design itself, and uh, I know that there's some NBA fans who will think this design is awesome. Um, I thought the design was terrible. Um, mishmash of colors, the the text, you know, there's plenty of room for unique text to work, especially with these city edition uniforms. And a lot of times it has, but this text, the font they used, oh, it's just horrendous. And um, anyways, I could go on, uh, but if you're curious, you can look it up. It's available on, uh, you know, NBA site, ESPN. Um, it's a looker. I'll tell you that. But uh, yeah, it's like a mainly black uniform with a bunch of differing colors. It's got um, almost like a coral type reddish color. It's got some teal, some blue from what I remember, some grays, maybe um, it's odd. That's that's all I'll say about it. Um, <clears throat> next, let's jump into transactions. And again, some of these were from before our final games, um, but this was the transactions to close out the regular season. Firstly, uh, the Lakers did sign Tristan Thompson and Shaq Harrison to standard contracts. Um, along with that, they waived guard Davon Reed to clear up an extra roster spot to be able to make both those signings. But uh, interesting that they add Tristan Thompson, a little bit of that front court depth going into the playoffs uh, in the play in situation. So um, cool to see, I guess uh, the Memphis Grizzlies moved some contracts around. Firstly, they waived guard Kennedy Chandler, who was on a standard contract. They then converted uh, Kenneth Lofton jr. Who we mentioned he was on a two way contract. He's now on a standard contract. Again, part of shoring up that front court situation. And then uh, to add 
to that, you know, vacant two-way contract spot, they've signed guard Jacob Gilliard, who I believe becomes the shortest player in the current NBA roster situation. Uh, I believe he's 5'9", so uh, something interesting to note there. Uh, the Houston Rockets signed center Willie Cauley-Stein to a standard contract. The New York Knicks signed forward Isaiah Roby to a standard contract. Uh, the Utah Jazz signed center Vernon Carey Jr. to a standard contract. Uh, so much of those, you know, filling out final roster spots. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, they had recently released Darren Sebron, but they've recently re-signed him to a two-way contract. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets signed forward Raekwon Gray to a two-way contract. Um, and finally, the Portland Trailblazers signed center Chance Comanche to a standard contract. Um a lot of those kind of filling up gaps to close out the season. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the final transactions really to report outside of any potential postseason preparation type moves. Although I think those are kind of few and far between. Um, so we now shift into our final uh, key news items uh, before we jump to our next segment. And these are all more NBA general type records or uh, uh, news items. And the first one is about a record. Uh, apparently the NBA set a league total attendance record this season, along with a few other records relating to attendance and, um, you know, sales and things like that. So cool to see um, definitely after um, a turbulent last several seasons um, relating to, uh, you know, the pandemic world health issues, bringing back, um, you know, sporting events, you know, full crowds, all that kind of stuff to bounce back and actually have a new league record in that department. That's really cool to see. So happy to see that. Um, also, the 36 playoff officials have been officially announced uh, by the NBA. I'm sure that list is readily available. I didn't glance through it myself because I'm not really familiar with the details of a lot of these refs. Um, I know a handful of the names of the refs, but uh, that's about it. Um, next, the weekly and monthly awards, the final batch of those have been announced. So firstly, the players of the week for week 25, the final week of the NBA season, uh, Bobby Portis Jr. and Kawhi Leonard in the East and the West, respectively. Those are NBA players of the week. So congratulations to them. And then uh, monthly awards. So this is March and April together since there was only you know, the first week or so of April that counted. Um, coaches of the month, Doc Rivers and Taylor Jenkins in the East and the West, respectively. Congratulations to them. Uh, rookies of the month, Paolo Bancaro and Jalen Williams. That's L-E-N Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, rookies of the month in the East and the West, respectively. Congratulations to them. And finally, uh, Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis, uh, players of the month in the East and the West, respectively. So congratulations to all of those guys, both weekly and monthly award winners. Uh, you know, well-deserved all of them. Congratulations on that. And we want to officially announce the winners of each season's um, statistical championships. They're, they're called championships. They're, uh, they're titles. Um, you've heard of, you know, the scoring champion or the scoring title. Um, in the early days of the NBA, this was done based on total numbers of certain stats, mainly scoring total points scored in the season. 
total rebounds in a season, total assists. Uh, excuse me. But I believe it was either late 50s or early 60s when the requirements were modified and it shifted from totals to averages. So from that point on, um, it's the you know highest scoring average, highest rebounding average, with some exceptions. You have to play a certain number of games for that to qualify. You know, you couldn't play three games, average 40 points a game, and then suddenly be the league scoring champion. Um, so there's some you know qualifiers there, but for the most part, it's average. And we'll start with this season's blocks champion or blocks title. Uh, most blocks per game that goes to Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. Congratulations to him. Next, our steals title that went to OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Highest steals per game average. Congratulations to him. This season's assist champion, most assists per game. Uh, the assist title that is James Harden of the Philadelphia 76ers, his second assist title in his career. Oh, by the way, Jaron Jackson Jr., this is his second consecutive block title. Uh, for the rebounding title, that is Demonis Sabonis. He's a first-time winner of that uh, distinction. Congratulations to him. And then finally, the uh, this season's scoring champ, the scoring title goes to Joel Embiid, his second consecutive season winning the scoring title. So congratulations to all five of those guys um, earning those distinctions. Um, they're now, that, they can add that to their NBA resume. So definitely props to them for being able to do that. Um, this season. Great stuff to see. Um, with that, that takes care of our news. We had a lot of news to cover up there, um, but we uh, we covered it. We're good. We're good through that. Now let's get to our game previews. And uh, this will look a little bit different, of course, um, simply because these are now just more postseason centric. Um, the times I will give are an Eastern Standard Time. Um, Tonight's games, of course, these games have already passed by the time you're hearing this, but tonight's games were those 7th and 8th matchups. Um, TNT, 7.30, was the Atlanta Hawks in Miami against the Heat. And then TNT at 10 o'clock, the Minnesota Timberwolves in Los Angeles against the Lakers. The home team in both cases were the 7th seed. The visiting team were the 8th seed. So those were tonight's games. So now tomorrow's games... These, of course, now we're getting actual previews for you. Tomorrow's games, we have two games, similar to, you know, tonight we had two games. Uh, these are your ninth and 10th matchups, and they're both on ESPN. Firstly, at 7 o'clock, the 10-seed uh, Chicago Bulls are in Toronto to face the 9-seed Toronto Raptors. And then at 9.30, the 10-seed Oklahoma City Thunder are in New Orleans to face the 9-seed Pelicans. So those are your two 9-10 matchups, first East, then the West. Uh, those should be some very interesting games. Thursday, we don't have any games. We have a uh, one-day break. And then on Friday, we have two games again. This will be your matchup between um, the loser of the 7th, 8th game and the winner of the ninth and 10th game. And again, that's East and Western Conference. Um, those will both be on TNT. There have been no times officially announced for those, but of course we'll keep you updated on that um, as soon as we can. Likely that'll be posted um, sometime on Friday before those games actually take place, or maybe or actually it'll probably be Thursday when those are announced because Wednesday's games will help determine what those matchups will be. So um, that's the schedule going forward. Again, very brief, but um, once we get to the weekend, 
it'll start to kind of get busy again because we'll have, you know, three or four games each day. And those will all be um, key playoff matchups. So that'll be great to watch out for. Um, with that, that takes care of our uh, game summaries. So that was a little bit quicker than some of the other items we've had tonight. But let's jump to our power rankings. So now we're getting into the true season recap stuff. Firstly, our last power rankings, weekly power rankings for the season. Um, and firstly, I want to apologize that we don't have Wyatt again on this one. Um, simply, again, miscommunication on scheduling. I'm getting this recorded a little bit later than he would be able to stay up for. And so um, that's my bad. But we're definitely going to get Wyatt back on the, sh- the show um, in the coming weeks during the playoffs. And especially once he's freed up with his school uh, requirements, uh, I think he's going to be uh, it's going to be easier for both of us to coordinate that. So that'll be good to, ha- to have him on. But um, our final power rankings, as far as mine go, um, not a ton of major changes. Um, some changes in the that play in group um, as far as teams solidifying their stance. Um, firstly, that top group, I kept the Bucks at number one. Celtics two, the Sixers swap with the Nuggets for three and four. So the Sixers are third, Nuggets four, and then the Cavs swapped with the Grizzlies. So Cavs five, Grizzlies six, Kings, Knicks, Suns, and Nets. They all stayed the same. So that rounds out my top ten: Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Denver, Cleveland, Memphis, Sacramento, New York, Phoenix, and Brooklyn. That's kind of loose loose structure. How I feel like. The end of the season, that's where those teams ranked on, you know, regular season performance, what they're able to do overall consistency, things like that. Just outside that top 10, I did move the Golden State Warriors up to 11, dropping the Miami Heat down to 12. Those two swapping spots, of course. Um, Below them in the um, 16 downward spot, Timberwolves moved up two spots to number 16, moving the Raptors and the Hawks down a spot each. Uh, the Thunder and the Bulls swapped spots as well. The Thunder moved up um, to that 19th spot. The Bulls moved down to 20th. Then uh, some switching, you know, Pacers jumped up a couple. Wizards and Magic fell down. Um, that was a little bit lower on the list. Finally, I did move the Rockets ahead of the Spurs for that third uh, lowest spot. Pistons lowest, then the Spurs and the Rockets, the Hornets and the Trailblazers working upward. Um but again, overall, really not a ton of change. And um, I think that kind of makes sense. You know, we had some final jostling in that play-in area, but now we're in the part where this all needs to translate to actual, you know, getting it done in postseason situations. And so, um, you know, that top group, that's really just kind of an outlook on what these teams did this season. And it'll be interesting to see how many of these teams translate that into deep playoff runs, playoff success versus teams that, you know, fail to meet those expectations in the playoffs. So that is our power rankings. Again, a little bit brief, but um, when you don't have, um, you know, those upcoming regular season games to talk about, um, there's not as much to focus on with power rankings as we're, of course, we're now shifting into more actual, you know, playoff results and things of that nature. So that's our final power rankings. Of course, we'll post this along with um, our next segment. We'll have that on the Instagram page. Again, that's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. 
Um, so definitely check that out. And um, let's go to that next segment, our final weekly MVP, our week 25 MVP. <clears throat> so I'll explain again if you're new to the show on how we pick our MVP for a given week. We, of course, like to pick players who had statistical great performances, you know, high averages and rebounds and points and assists and things like that. Great percentages are nice to see too, but we also don't pick candidates that had uh, 500 or below records. We like to see someone who is a part of a team's, you know, winning in a given week, you know, um, racking up wins, uh, strengthening their team's position, things like that. Um, Plus minus also helps to see as well. So that's just some guidelines as far as what we look for. And here's this week's uh, candidates that we picked for week 25, the last week of the regular season. We have Jaron Jackson Jr., LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Anthony Edwards, Norman Powell, Peyton Pritchard, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, Kevin Durant. Those are your 10 candidates. A couple of those names, a little odd to see in this list, especially Peyton Pritchard, but you have a 30-point triple-double, and you have another strong game along with that earlier in the week, and um, you find yourself on this list, so kudos to him. He had a great week. Um, Again, a lot of these guys well-deserving. They all had some pretty great weeks. A couple of guys averaging 10-plus rebounds, Kawhi Leonard and Carl Anthony Towns. Shout-out to them. They also went 3-0 and this week, so their their teams were very successful. Um, Decent all-around percentages, too. Defensively, though, there was not as much to be seen. Um, on that statistical front. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Butler was solid. Real quick shout-out for him. He shot 75% from the floor, and that's not a typo. 75% from the floor over two games, um, and he had multiple three-point attempts, so that was pretty remarkable to see. Um, yeah, Durant shot nearly 58% from three, 57% from three just about, so... That was pretty wild. Uh, Norman Powell, despite a terrible three-point shooting week, he still averaged about 26 points a game. Um, All those guys had some pretty solid all-around weeks, but I get them talked about first simply because that top four group, those first four names I mentioned, are probably going to be our main front runners for this week's MVP. Um, But I wanted to acknowledge what those other guys were able to do in the week. Pritchard, 26 points a game, nine rebounds, eight assists. Um, Kudos to him and kudos to all those guys. You know, great weeks all around. But again, I think we're going to limit it to now these main four. Jaron Jackson Jr., LeBron James, Stephen Curry, and Anthony Edwards. Um, And uh, all these guys averaged more than 27 points a game. Jaron Jackson Jr., the most with 31 points a game. They're all in that kind of similar range. Um. And then there's some differences. Jaron Jackson, a little bit more post-centric and defensive-focused. Uh, nearly seven rebounds a game, nearly three blocks a game. Of course, he was this season's blocks title winner. We mentioned that. Um, a little bit higher on the personal fouls. Um, had some turnovers as well, but nearly a steal a game too. So productive defensively, great percentages. About 55 from the floor, 50 from three. 86 from the free throw line, good plus minus, solid all-around week. LeBron James had a great week too. Um, oh, sorry, with Jaron Jackson Jr., he was 2-1. and one. 
So Grizzlies, two wins, one loss with him on the floor this week, this past week. LeBron James this past week, they were 3-1, and one, the Lakers were. 38.5 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 6.3 assists. Uh, highest turnovers of anyone on the list, four and a half turnovers. Um, nearly a block, nearly a steal every game. Uh, low personal fouls, so that's impressive. Decent all-around percentages, 50 from the floor, 48 from the three, 80 from the free throw line. Um, solid week. Stephen Curry, the Warriors were 3-0 and in this last week, last week of the regular season. 28 points a game, about six rebounds, six assists, two turnovers. One steal and about, you know, one and a half personal fouls. Not bad at all. Percentages great as well. 52 from the floor, 46 from three, 93, 94 nearly from the free throw line. He had the biggest plus minus of any of these guys, though. 24.3 plus minus compared to Jaron Jackson Jr., 6.3. LeBron James, 3.5. And then finally, of these four, Anthony Edwards, he was also 3-0. 27 points a game. Nearly eight rebounds, three assists, um, but about the same number of turnovers, though. So kind of a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. 2.3 steals, two blocks, maybe the best all-around defensive numbers of any of these guys. Percentage is low, though. About 44 from the floor, 39 from three, and 70 from the free-throw line, but still a great week all-around. Um, and I ran th- as I ran through those, as I looked at the teams and how they were looking to close out their weeks. It's kind of a two-horse race. Well, three. I mean, I think we kind of maybe moved Jaron Jackson Jr. out of the conversation, even though he had a great week. Still props to him. It's probably LeBron, Curry, and Anthony Edwards. And to me, it's really LeBron or Curry. You know, I think Timberwolves knew that you know they were going to be pretty well set as far as a play-in type spot. And they were looking for that specific seating. The Lakers and the Warriors, meanwhile, they were fighting to try and, you know, lock in a playoff spot, not that play-in spot. They were fighting for, you know, the standard playoffs, you know, sixth seed and up. So that was impressive to see both those teams have great runs in pursuit of that. But in particular, the Warriors, the way they responded, and especially that last game, you know, that we can't discount the importance of just one of those games. Um, the Warriors in particular, 3-0 and in the last week, really finished strong to lock in that sixth seed, you know, finished just ahead of the Lakers. That was key to see. And, you know, comparing Curry's stats to LeBron's, Curry with the lower turnovers, the better percentages a little bit all around, and the higher plus minus. Um, undefeated and what his team was, what he was able to do for his team and what his team was able to do compared to LeBron and the Lakers. I think that gives Curry a little bit of an edge. And so I think with that, I feel like we can go ahead and lock that in and we will confirm that as our final weekly MVP for the 2023 NBA regular season. We're going to lock that in for Stephen Curry. Congratulations, Steph. Um, you're probably going to be busy uh, over the next few weeks with playoff basketball. But um, if you ever want to stop by, um, it'll be out of the way. Of course, your series is in Sacramento. You're staying in California for your playoff series. But um, if you ever want to stop by, 
check out the trophy. You'll be the last and latest name on the trophy. Um, we'd really appreciate seeing you. But uh, congratulations again, our last weekly MVP. That takes care of what would be basically the, the whole show that we'd have for uh, our normal Monday-type show following uh, any given, you know, and you know regular season week um but we do want to uh touch on a new segment a new part of the show um and this is also something that we posted on our um Instagram page of course during march um the basketball world shifts its focus almost entirely to college basketball and the March Madness brackets and um, the tournament, the NCAA tournament. And everyone has a lot of fun filling out brackets and rightly so, you know, it can be very chaotic. And I thought it'd be fun for us on a podcast now with the playoffs starting to do our own mini version of something approximating a bracket challenge. And so that's what we've done. We've put together uh, Wyatt, Justin and I have put together our own individual playoff brackets and predictions as far as what te- which teams we think will win, what the series records will be, um, who would end up winning the championship, things like that. And we've also put together a point structure. So the team with the most accurate bracket at the end of the playoffs and the finals will um, be rewarded. You know, they'll have the most points. So here's how the scoring works for that. Um, you get a one point for every correct pick in the play-in tournament, two points for the first round of the playoffs, four points for the second round, eight points for the two conference finals, and 16 points for a correct finals pick. Um, so with that in mind, if you fill out a perfect bracket, you would end up with maximum total points of 70 points. However, there are bonus points that are provided if you pick the exact series record correct. So if I pick the Cavs to beat the Knicks four games to zero and the Cavs end up beating the Knicks four games to two, then I get that, you know, two points for that correct first round matchup, but I don't get a bonus point for the series record. But if I had said they would win at four games to two, I'd get three points total because I'd get that bonus point. Probably doesn't need explaining, but um, figured I'd provide it anyways. But um, but you have to have both teams correct to get the bonus for that, um, you know, record. If your conference finals happens to be the same, you know, four games to three, um, but it's two completely different teams, you're not going to get a bonus point for that. So that's how that works. Um, and then I did add a clarification point to this today. Um, the play in picks are going to be a little bit unique um, because, generally we found up to this point, there is still, you know, opportunity for this change, but a lot of these play in picks end up being first round exits, generally speaking. So if it's a first round series, you pick the series record, correct. Let's say it's your one versus eight matchup, like the bucks versus the winner of the, you know, play in tournament, uh, that first game. Let's say you have the Bucks winning four to one, and that is how the series turns out. But you have the Hawks when instead uh, the winner was the Heat, or however it works out. Um, the 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 team the Bucks played in that circumstance, you could still get those bonus points. So hopefully this isn't 
confusing to explain without a visual to see. If you're curious to see a visual, again, on our Instagram page, we have posted each of our playoff brackets filled out and what we think will happen. And I'll touch just touch on a few points there. I think we'll have a chance to discuss this with each of the hosts in detail throughout the playoffs. But um, with our brackets um, in the Eastern Conference, all three of us ended up picking the Bucks and the Sixers to make the conference finals, despite the Celtics having, you could say, just as strong a season as the Sixers or the Bucks, even a stronger season than the Sixers. Um, we all picked, you know, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs as the second round teams, but we also picked Bucks, Sixers as the conference final unanimously, unanimously in the East, which I thought was an interesting point. The winner of that series was different. Um, Wyatt and I both picked the 76ers to move on to the finals, whereas Justin went with the Milwaukee Bucks to make it to the finals. Um, both are pretty, pretty fair choices, I would say. Um, when it comes to the West, um, a lot of intrigue there. We went with a lot of different ways. Um, we had both Justin and I ended up picking the Suns to make it out of the Western Conference, despite being a four seed. Uh, meanwhile, Wyatt ended up, uh, he, he has a qualifier. He already posted a comment on the Instagram page um, saying that he doesn't, he doesn't want this team to win, but he just happened to, you know, as he was filling out his bracket, that felt like the right pick as far as a prediction goes. But he ended up picking the Warriors to go to the finals against the Sixers. And that's actually his team that would win it in that final series. So he has the Warriors repeating as champions. Um, I won't disregard that. Even though they are a sixth seed, we've seen teams go on runs. We've seen, you know, the 90s Rockets. They had a slump after they won the championship in 94. They, you know, every postseason series, they were the low seed and they had a clutch series after clutch series and they go on to win the championship and repeat as champions. So I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to disregard Wyatt's bracket as, you know, bunk or meaningless. There's every chance the Warriors win. So power to him for picking that one. Um, the Suns were my pick to win the championship over the Sixers. Uh, Justin, he has the Suns going to the finals as well, but he has the Bucks winning that final series and winning their second championship in three years. So I think it's going to be a really exciting playoffs because there's every possibility that um, none of our teams we picked to go to the finals go to the finals. There's a lot of teams that have a great chance. You know, the Celtics, even though none of us picked them to go past the second round, the Celtics could very easily win the championship. You know, Denver is a, a popular pick to go to the finals, at least if not win a title. Um, you know, the Grizzlies, despite their front court concerns, they've got, they've had a great regular season. They should be a, a force to be reckoned with. Sacramento should be a big name. You know, that was one I, you know, it kind of feels like a, an odd pick, even though they're a third seed. Um, neither Wyatt or Justin picked the Kings to make it out of the first round versus the Warriors. I picked the King, the Kings to go to the conference finals against the Suns. I'd like to see that happen. Um, I understand why they wouldn't pick the Kings, but um, that fan base, you can never discount the importance of a home court atmosphere. And that's going to be one of the biggest advantages, maybe the biggest advantage to the Kings. When you compare all these 
playoff teams and their home court atmospheres, that has a great chance to be one of the rowdiest and most um, advantageous to the Kings. So that I think could be a big factor. Interestingly enough, um, both Wyatt and I also picked the Lakers uh, to firstly win their play in first play in game, make the seventh seed in the playoffs and then to upset the Grizzlies in the first round and move at least to the conference finals or the, excuse me, conference semifinals, the second round. That was another unique thing. So I think that's interesting to watch for Um, my concerns with Memphis. Again, the front court depth, those injuries, I think that's going to be hard to overcome. And again, we'll have a chance to talk about this more in detail, but I wanted to just touch on this, make you aware of it. Um, You know, we'll keep the points updated semi-regularly, probably at the conclusion of every round, update you on where everyone at everyone is at with points. And so you can kind of keep up to date with what's going on there. But um, that's something that we will have going on along with our normal um, playoff podcasting, talking about the games that happened, what to expect going forward, things of that nature. So um, definitely stay tuned for that. But with that, that takes care of the um, bulk of our show, I suppose. Um, let me go ahead and pull up the um, this day in history fact for you. I'll be honest, I did not pick a specific fact ahead of this show, and I apologize. Usually I've done that. Um, but let's glance through today's day april 12th see if we can quickly find um some of these things that will be uh notable to talk about um let's see um oh this is a great one yeah let's talk about this one uh this today's day we're going all the way back to 1958 for this one and this is a fantastic moment that kind of gets overshadowed April 12th of 1958, Bob Pettit poured in 50 points as the St. Louis Hawks, who missed the championship by a whisker a year earlier, beat the Boston Celtics 110 to 109 in game six of the 1958 NBA Finals to dethrone the Celtics as NBA champions. That was early in the Celtics dynasty, the the Bill Russell dynasty. I think they had only won two or three championships only of course relatively speaking but i believe they'd only won two or three times before the hawks disrupted them and then the celtics went on to win seven or eight straight it was disrupted again by uh wilt chamberlain 76ers in 1967 um and then the celtics went on to win two more after that so um yeah, one of only two teams to win during that run. Wilt Chamberlain Sixers was the the second one, but this first one, the Bob Pettit St. Louis Hawks teams. Um, if you're curious to hear a little bit more about that team and my loose thoughts on it, we actually did talk about that team on our Atlanta Hawks franchise focus episode. That was probably a ways back at this point, but if you want to come through the um show archives our past episodes list um give it a listen you know and learn a little bit more about the hawks in general not just that team but uh you know a legend and and things of that nature so that takes care of our this day uh this yeah this day in history fact um again thank you all for listening on tomorrow's show again we are going to 
Um, we'll have a bonus episode after our normal show where we do our franchise focus for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But on the normal show for tomorrow, excuse me, we're going to recap um, tonight's Tuesday night's uh, two games that happened. And we're going to do our main wrap up for our weekly predictions segment. Um, and I'm hoping that we have Justin on for that show. I think we have a good chance of having him on. But um, regardless, that's the main plan for tomorrow's show. Um, I thank you all again for listening. I apologize again for the disruption to the normal schedule, but we've now got a clear schedule for the playoffs. I'm very excited for the playoffs. Um, thanks again, and we will be back with you on tomorrow's uh, uh, duo of episodes. So we'll see you then. Bye.